Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. You've got a, such a cool Sunday this morning. I'm so excited. We have got our, our baptism Sunday. So the deal with this is I don't care whether you call Activate Church home or you've just walked in for the first time uh, this morning. After church, you are more than welcome to join us. We're going to rock around to uh, Gay and Tibor's house. They've got a pool, which is awesome. It's supposed to be like 28 degrees today. So I reckon let's just all get baptized. Just jump in there. Well, we've got a handful of people that are, are wanting to get baptized this morning, which is super cool. And uh, if you haven't been baptized and you just like last minute go, you know what? It's 28 degrees. That pool looks good. That's a good enough reason to, to jump in. So after church, um, we'll just kind of finish up our conversations, finish our coffees. There's no rush to head out, but at some point when you want to, you can just waltz out, shoot down to the supermarket, grab some kai. It's moldy for food. And... Rock around to their house. If you don't know their address, then just ask anybody here and, and we'll tell you. But it's 69 Polson Street. I have been told that if you try and you know, Google map it, you end up at the wrong house. So just keep following your nose. It's in that general area. It's down a very long drive. So if you turn up at a house with a short drive, that's not the right house. Maybe we could like tie some balloons or something to a letterbox, Tibor. Yeah, so people know where they're going. Or we could put someone out at the end of the drive to like, you know, welcome people up or something. Uh, so that's, we're going to go around there. We're going to have some lunch. There's a couple of barbecues there. So feel free to grab some meat. We're going to have a whole ton of sausages. Not a literal ton. That's a lot of sausages, but a lot of sausages. So if you want to just come around and eat sausages, that's fine. But anything else you want to eat, just bring it. Uh, and then we're going to pray for people after we've had lunch and we're going to chuck them in the pool and celebrate. And then anyone that wants to jump in can jump in. I'm going, to have, I'm going to be in there anyway, so I've brought my floaty armbands and my little wee flatable swan, so I'll be swimming around in that, which is cool. So that is happening, uh, yeah, after, after the service, you are all more than welcome. Uh, so I'm speaking on humility this morning. Before I do, I just want to take a moment to, and I, I tossed up whether or not to do this, but I will, to take a moment to own something uh, that I said this time uh, a year ago. So some of you, not a lot of you, but some of you were here a year ago when we did uh, our Vision Sunday, which was on February the 23rd, so it was this, this kind of weekend, uh, similar to our Blueprint Sunday that we did a couple of weeks ago, but I rolled out what I felt like God was saying for us as a church and what the team felt God was saying, and there were three areas, I don't know if you remember, that I, I kind of highlighted, and one of them was that we revealed this Bible verse up on the right. And we talked a lot about how we felt as a church that our calling was to really equip and nurture and empower and encourage and celebrate people to discover what their own call of God was and then release them into it. Uh, and that we were going to be doing church a little bit differently and to not necessarily look to church as an organization or an institution to tell you what you should be doing with your life. But actually, we as people are the church and we take the church wherever we go, and actually our job at Activate is to help you discover what God's calling you to do, and then empower you in it, train you in it, maybe even resource you into it if need be. Uh, and so I think we can give that a big tick. We're not there yet, but we're certainly, it's not something we've stopped talking about. We're moving in the right direction. Um, and Paul says in Romans that, you know, transformation starts with the, the mind, right? Transform the way you think. How does that Bible verse go? Romans 12. Yeah, do not be conformed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Thank you. 
my mind's a bit on the fritz today. So we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. So before we can see transformation happening in our everyday life, we have to first start changing the way we think. And that's kind of where we're at with this verse. And I talked a couple of weeks ago about how that's us for the foreseeable future. This is just something we're super passionate about. So put a big tick in that. I think we're doing well there. Another thing that I said, uh, the second thing, was that uh, 2020 would be a year of foundation on which the next decade was built. And this was said very you know, pompously from the front three or four weeks before we went into lockdown and the whole world crashed. But I actually think we can put a tick in that box as well because over lockdown, there was a big shift, not just in my life, but in a lot of people's worlds. And we were asking God, like, what are you doing in this space? And when we came out of lockdown, those of you that were here uh, will remember, we spent like a month or two, no messages, just worship. And we just went, you know what? The most important thing to us as a church is, is the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. We're going to go after God. Worship's more important than, than preaching. You know, we just want to be a church that prioritizes and lifts up uh, the presence and power and person uh, of God. And then when we did bring messages back in, they were fairly short. They were sort of 10 or 15 minutes, and we were talking about who God was. Uh, and I actually think that last year we discovered what our foundation is as a church moving forward you know, in this next season while, while Liz and I and the team are leading. And that is that we're going to be a church that is just unapologetically uh, going after the presence of God. Uh, and we're prepared to do things out of the box, to do things differently, to give God room to move, and we're prepared to look a little bit foolish sometimes. And let's put a big tick in that box as well. I think we did well there. Now we, but now we get to the third thing, right? And I actually went back and I listened to the podcast because I wanted to make sure that I got exactly right what I had said. And uh, you can do that too. It's, it's on there, 23rd of February, 2020. You can go back and have a listen. But what I said was, like word for word, I said, we're not overly focused on numbers, but we believe that there is a grace for us to grow in 2020. And I would say that I'm not, I'm not numbers focused, but I am numbers aware, right? Like, you know, if I get up the front and half the church is empty, like I'm not oblivious to the fact that everyone's chosen the beach over me. Um, or God, actually. And, and as a movement, I have to submit a report every quarter, and one of the questions is how many people were in your church every Sunday, so we have to count for that. And then also with all of the COVID stuff, you know, limits around 100, we've got to make sure that we're aware of where we're at there as well. So I am aware of numbers, I'm not focused on numbers, but I can tell you, because I'm in the middle of preparing reports for you know, this year compared to last year, um, you know, we are probably around 30 to 40% up on where we were numbers-wise this time last year, which is phenomenal. You know, I was speaking to a pastor who's been pastoring for over 20 years, and he knows a lot of pastors, and he said to me, Josh, any church that is the same size now that they were pre-COVID is doing extremely well. Right, so to have a church that's gone up, like I said on the podcast a year ago, I said, look, there's like 70, 75 people here, uh, well, last Sunday we counted, we had just a tick over 100. We hit 100 on a semi-regular basis now, and we're trending upwards all the time. So it's like, yeah, it's like a third up, which is great. So I think we could put a big tick there as well, except I said something else. I don't know if you remember, but I stood up the front and I said, look, I could just leave it there. I could just say there's a grace on us to grow, and then in a year's time, whatever growth we have, I can just get up and be like, told you so. I said, but... <laughs> who, who knows what I'm about to say? Yeah, all the team are like, oh yeah, that's right. I said from the front, I said, I believe that there is a grace for us to double in size in 2020. And then just to be super helpful, I gave exact numbers from the front. So, you know, Pastor Josh was not worried about 
preacher Josh, I said on the podcast, there's like 70, 75 people here. So quick math, double that. That's like 150 people. There's not 150 people here this morning, guys. And, and I've been talking with God about this for the last couple of months. When I say talking, I mean like begging. I was like, God, God, you know, I'm telling everyone it's not me that builds your church, it's you, but you're doing a rubbish job because we're like, well, short, right? And here's, here's the thing. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't honestly know. I think there's three potential solutions or answers to this, this thing. Number one is you go, Josh got it wrong, right? God said there's a grace for you to grow. You've grown by 30, 40%. That's awesome. And then Josh, in his enthusiasm, just went, we're going to double. Yeah. And, and God's like, what? No, I didn't say that, right? That's, that's, that's one solution. Another solution, and this is my least favorite, is that there was a grace for us to double, and I missed it because we didn't do what God is wanting us to do. We didn't, I don't know, advertise. Like One of the things I would say that we are terrible at as a church is any kind of self-promotion. We suck. Like, we don't advertise anywhere. We don't put anything on Facebook. We don't say, hey, we got this guy coming in, and, you know, we're just under the radar, man. And I love that. <laughs> you know, but then there's a party that's like, well, you know, I look at some of the things that other churches are doing and photos of their service and stuff, and all that. I'm like, oh, we could, maybe, maybe if we'd done that, we'd have 150. Maybe I got that wrong. I don't know. And then the third option is that it's neither of those two, that there was a grace for us to double. We didn't get anything wrong, and it didn't happen. And I don't, so the third option is like the unexplainable I don't know option, which is my favorite of the, of the three. But I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I would love to stand up here and tell you that you have a leader that never, ever makes a mistake. I would love to stand up here. Like, no one would love it more than me, right, to be able to stand up here and say, I bet a thousand never get anything wrong, never mishear God, never get overexcited and move you know, faster than God moves, never. I'd love to be able to say that, but that's, we all know that's not true. And I think the next best thing, uh, other than having a leader that never makes a mistake, is to have a leader that when he does say something, he doesn't pretend like he didn't say it. Like, you know, no, let me be honest, no one has brought this up. Not a single person in the last year has said, hey, remember you said, like, no one. I know I could have got up here and just preached a normal message and no one would go home and think, well, he didn't mention the elephant in the room. Where's the one? Like, no one's even thinking about it. I'm bringing this up because I want you to know that if I say something and I put parameters around it, I'll own it. And I'll say, hey, I said it and it hasn't worked out the way that it worked out. And when I went back and listened to what I said last year, what I said was, look, the safe thing would be to not say anything, to just say God's got grace for us to grow. And then if we grow by one person, I can be like, got it. I said, but... The only reason for me not to say something would be that I am afraid of looking foolish in a year's time, which was easy to say a year ago. I hate that I said that now. But um, I said the only, thing that, the only reason for me not to say something would be fear. And that's, that's a terrible reason to not say anything. And so I kind of talked with God about it during the week, and here's where I've landed. I may or may not have got that wrong. If I got it wrong, happy to own it. If I didn't get it wrong, well, I mean, I'm kind of thinking I must have got it wrong, right? Because there's not 150 people here. Like, it's not rocket science. Maybe there's other forces at play. I don't know. I don't want to over-spiritualize it. There's a part of me that went, well, maybe it's happened so that I can get up and look all humble on humility, um, you know, term. But where I landed is I would, rather, I would rather look foolish today for having too much faith yesterday. 
And I'd rather look foolish tomorrow for having too much faith today than look wise tomorrow because I just didn't push out. You know, the, the, the easy option is to say, hey, look, like, the, only, the only way you can minimize the chances of looking foolish is to not have any faith. The, the more you push out in faith, the more risk you take around looking foolish. You can't have faith for someone to be healed and at the same time not carry a risk that if they don't get healed, you'll look foolish. You can't have faith for you know, God to do what you believe God's saying and at the same time not carry an element of risk that if he doesn't, you're gonna look foolish. Like anytime you step out in faith, you have to kind of be content with you know, absorbing some element of risk. And the only way that you will ever get rid of any risk in your life is to just not ever have faith for anything. The only way that I can guarantee you to never miss a shot is to say never take a shot. As soon as you start swinging, there's a risk element involved that you're gonna miss one from time to time. And so I just wanted to let you know that uh, you have a leader who, if he says something, is not gonna try and sweep it under the carpet if it doesn't pan out the way that he said. You're not, you've got a leader that's not gonna try and hope that you just don't remember I'm not going to go delete the podcast and no one can listen to it and be like, what did he say? It's still on there. You can go and have a listen. I sound very confident a year ago, I must say. Um, and to let you know that if this is the worst case scenario, like I said last year, worst case scenario is that I get up and I look foolish. It's not that bad. Guys, it's not that bad. And um, part of the reason that I don't understand entirely what's happened is because I haven't really pushed into God that much because I don't care because I'm so stoked with what God's doing in this place. I'm like, I don't care why we have 100 people, not 150. Like what I care about is that God's showing up, which he is, that we're having amazing conversations with people about their experiencing the Holy Spirit, which they are. That's what I care about. So I stand up here, you know, humbly telling you that I said 150, it hasn't happened. We still had amazing growth. God's still doing amazing things. And if it's something that really bothers you, then come and talk to me about it afterwards and we can unpack it a little bit more. But I'm more than happy to say, you know what? Maybe God didn't say it and I just got too excited, too much faith, whatever. Is that, is that cool? I wanted to bring that up. Now I'm gonna speak to you very, very quickly on humility because I used my whole mess's time. I need a couch up here. I should have laid on the couch and just like told you guys what was going on. But um, what we're talking about when it comes to humility, I started a couple of weeks ago, right? And I said, hey, if you are a humble person, then you're someone that recognizes that you can't do anything without God. This is a really big thing to wrap your head around. John 15, five, Jesus says to his disciples, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And this, like I said, it's a difficult thing to wrestle with because there's a part of us that goes, no, I, I, should, I deserve some credit for my life. I deserve some credit for the study that I've done and my intelligence and my discipline and my hard work. And, you know, I've kind of made myself who I am when I compare myself to other people who didn't try as hard or weren't as disciplined. And so the temptation is to go, no, I deserve some credit for my life. But honestly, guys, we don't. Like I said two weeks ago, last time I checked, you can't even make your heart beat without God getting involved in your world. You didn't create yourself. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose the situation you were born into. You didn't choose the year that you were born into. Man, I watch movies from like olden days. I think I'm so glad I wasn't born back then. I love electricity and cars and running water and flushing toilets. This is freaking awesome, right? So you have to come to this place where you go, look, everything, everything I am, everything I have is because of God's grace. And once you go even deeper, you realize that even your ability to choose God 
is because of a grace that God has put in your life to recognize his goodness and to, like, it's, it's crazy. Like, we talk about wanting to love him more. You can't even love God by yourself. You need God to give you the capacity to love him, right? You can't, you can't do anything without God. You can't have a rational thought in your brain. You can't even have a brain without God. Like, let's just, far out. Like, everything is because of God, that was the first thing. Humility starts there. I had to go on like a six-month journey to wrap my head around that because I thought I was all that. Now I say stuff that doesn't even happen a year later. All right. Second thing, Dan talked about this last Sunday. He said a humble person is someone that includes God in their day. They're turning their hearts towards Him, their thoughts toward Him, their decisions toward Him. Micah 6 verse 8, God says, I'm not interested in your sacrifices. What I want is someone who practices mercy and justice and walks humbly with their God. And so a humble person, A, recognizes, I can't do anything without God. And then they get up in the morning and they go, that includes today. I can't do today without God. I need God in my life. I need to invite him into my world. I need to make him a part of my decisions. I need to be governed and you know, driven, driven is not the right word, but you know, directed perhaps by God. And then this morning, I wanted to talk to you about this very quickly, five minutes, I promise. And that is that a humble person confesses their sins to others. This is so hard to do. Let's just, let's just talk about this. And I, I talked about this earlier on this morning, but James chapter uh, three, verse two says this, we all stumble in many ways. That's the NIV, right? The NLT says we all make many mistakes. And the CEV puts it like this. All of us do many wrong things. There's a common denominator in all these verses, and that is the word all. All of us. Look at it. It's straight up Bible. We all stumble. We all make mistakes, and all of us do wrong things. Is there any ambiguity there about this applying to some people and not others? No. It is all of us. It's Dan. Sorry to pick on you, Dan. I'll just leave it there. It's, um, nah, it's, it's Jean, it's Tearaway, it's Ro, it's me, it's Kira, it's Amanda, it's Denise, it's Robin, it's Alea. It's, it's all of us. We all stumble, we all make mistakes, we all do things wrong. You know, Paul says this in Romans. He says, all have sinned. Again, there's no ambiguity there. Not some of us, all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And then he says later on in the chapter that um, there is no one righteous, not even one. And all I wanted to talk to you about this morning is to just, I get concerned sometimes about this, this false humility that we carry in church, these masks that we wear where we convince ourselves that we, we can't tell people what we're struggling with. We can't tell people what we're being tempted by. We can't tell people what issues of our life we don't have under control the way that we'd like to. James 5.16 says this, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So we're commanded in the Bible to confess our sins to each other. In Proverbs, it says this, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You know, in the Bible, in the early accounts of Genesis, we see Adam and Eve being the first people to stuff up, make a mistake, stumble, they disobey God. What's the very first thing that they do after they disobey God? They hide. They, they bury it as deep as they can. They don't want anybody to know about it. And we all do the same thing. We make a mistake and we hide it. We bury it deep. We get embarrassed. We get ashamed. We think, I can't. right now, you're sitting there thinking, I couldn't tell people about you know, that issue that I'm struggling with. That, that addiction that I have been keeping under wraps for years and years and years. I can't tell anybody about this. And that's, that's not God. That's not Bible. 
right? We need to recognize that true humility, if we're gonna be digging this well of humility, true humility requires confession, not just to God, but to others. I love this verse in Philippians 2 verse 8. It's talking about Jesus Christ going to the cross. And it says this, it says, he humbled himself and became vulnerable. Now in that context, it's not talking about Jesus confessing to all of the sin in his life because he didn't have any. But Jesus models to us the spirit of vulnerability. And I'll say this to you, you cannot have humility without vulnerability. You cannot have humility without confession. Uh, I love this quote that I came across during the week and I wrote it down and didn't write down who said it, which is annoying. But a very smart person said this, humility before God is not complete unless there is also humility before man. A true test of our willingness to humble ourselves is a willingness to share with others the weaknesses we confess to God. You know, if we're gonna go on this journey of humility, if we're gonna dig this well of humility, this is a very, very, very important step. And that is that we have to be humble enough and vulnerable enough to confess the areas that we are struggling with to other people so that they can pray with us, they can journey with us, they can believe with us. I was having a conversation a couple of weeks ago with a guy who was looking at getting baptized you know, today, and he made the comment, he said, oh, I kind of feel like I need to get my life sorted out first. I've got a lot of stuff that I'm still dealing with in my life, and I need to get that sorted before I get baptized. I said, what are you talking about? I said, first of all, that's when no one ever gets their life sorted out. Like that's a total myth. If you wait until you've got your life sorted out, then you don't need Jesus. He's the only one that can do it. He said, yeah, but I feel like if I get baptized and I've still got all of this stuff going on and then I start coming to church, I'll be a hypocrite. I was like, ha! And I pointed in here because we were out in the foyer. I said, every single person in there, including me, is a hypocrite then because no one has their life sorted out. No one has their stuff together. We are all broken. Can we just like, look, at the, look at the person to your left? They're broken. Look at the person to your right. They're broken. Grab out your cell phone and put the camera on your own face and look at you like, we're a, we're, can we just own the fact that all of us are a mess? Yes, we're all broken. And, and the scary thing is that that, uh, like I, I've heard that kind of response before, but that is what the world thinks of us in here. The world thinks I can't go into a church because I've got all this stuff wrong in my life. Where has that opinion come from? Why is it that the world thinks that we all have got our stuff together? Because we walk around acting like we've got all our stuff together. We don't. We all have different issues. I'll tell you right now, without freaking anybody out, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but I, without knowing anybody, I can tell you right now that in this room, we've got people that struggle with porn addiction. We've got people that struggle with alcohol. We've got people that struggle with drugs. We've got people that struggle with overeating. We've got people that struggle with compulsive shopping. We've got people that struggle with lying. We've got people that struggle with you know, pride. We've got people, like, it's, we're a freaking mess, guys. And as long as we keep it hidden, as long as we keep it in the dark, you know, the enemy has a hold over us. As soon as you bring it out into the light and you say to someone, this is an area that I'm struggling with, the enemy goes, I can't work with this guy. I've got no hold on him over anymore. I can't hold that thing that he's hiding or she's hiding to ransom. It's, it's, it's gone. And so I wanted to encourage you to get the band to jump up, I'm done. But I wanted to encourage all of us this morning, we might just spend a couple of minutes just reflecting with Holy Spirit about this. But a couple of things to add on the end, just caveats. 
don't rush to anyone and just spill your guts. That's not smart. You need to be wise about who you are confiding in. General rules, like guys confide in guys, girls confide in girls, ideally, you know, unless you feel very strongly that God's God told you to go and talk to someone specific. Talk to someone that you have got a relationship with. Don't take someone out for a coffee on the first time. Look, I just really wanted to get to know you. And by the way, bleh, like, you know, let's be smart about it. I expect you guys to have enough intelligence to not just dump all of your personal dramas on people that you've only just met. At least offer to pay for their coffee if you're going to do that. <laughs> right, so be wise. Talk to God about it. I have people in my life that I have specifically said. Steve Forrester is one of them. Awesome man of God. He's someone, he's on our eldership team. He comes out to my house every week. And on Thursdays, we go for a walk up my road for half an hour and back. And I said to him right at the start, there is no question you can't ask me. There's no part of my life that's off limits. And so Steve will come out and he'll say to me, how's your, how's your marriage? How's, how's your walk with God going? How are your quiet times? What are you struggling with at the moment? And I'll tell you, there are times during my week where I might be tempted to do something stupid, make a mistake, and I think, oh, Steve coming around on Thursday. <laughs> that could be an awkward conversation. You know, we all need Steve Foresters in our life. Yeah. So, but don't ask him. He's mine. You can't use him. <laughs> yeah, we need Shelley's as well. Right. So just as we dim those lights, Tibor, why don't we just close our eyes this morning? And, and I know there's not a single person here that doesn't need someone or even a few people in the world that they can just sit down with and say, man, I have let myself down this week. I've, whoa, those lights are off, man. <laughs> Let's just close our eyes this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're a God of love, you're a God of mercy. Lord, that every everything you ask us to do, you ask us to do motivated out of love and compassion and just an absolute burning desire for us to live the most extraordinary life possible in total freedom. So God, when you tell us to confess our sins one to another, when you write in your book, that when we do that, we prosper, but if we try and hold on to them or bury them, that we're going to struggle in life, you do it because you want us to live free. So Father, right now I pray, just as we take these next two minutes to just sit in your presence, that you would speak to every single one of us. God, that you'd highlight some areas in our lives that you want us to bring to somebody else, to ask for help with, to work through, to confess. And Lord, that you would highlight a safe person, someone in our world that we can go to and just say, hey, can I, can I talk to you about something? So just as, we, as the band starts singing the song, just you can stay sitting down, you can stand if you like, but I want you to take a couple of minutes and just, just ask the Holy Spirit, okay, God, who's someone that that I could go to and talk to about this. 
and just see who pops into your mind. It might be a face, a picture, it could be a name, it could be a memory of a conversation they've had years ago that you go, oh, actually that person was a great person. And then ask him as well, if I do go and see this person, if we catch up for a coffee, if I have them around, what is it that you'd like me to start talking with them about?